Hello, and welcome to The Relationship Edge, a podcast where we explore the power of relationships in the private markets. I'm your host, Dablorde Ashikbi of Four Degrees, and I'm joined today by Bharat Vassan of the Production Board. Thank you so much for joining us, Bharat. Of course. Thank you. And we're super excited to have you. We'll go ahead and jump in. And so in looking at your background, you're a multi-time founder and company executive. As you've gone from role to role throughout your career, I'd love to hear how you thought about maintaining the existing network of relationships you've built at each stop. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, excited to be on. Uh, you, you know that I'm at this point, you know, uh, an investor and I've made that jump from building businesses to funding founders. Uh, I work at the production board where I head up our consumer practice and invest in companies in software, life sciences, ag and human health. And for me, the single biggest thing I've learned over time is that I'm trying to bring to venture is that notion of being treated uh, the way I would have wanted to be treated as a founder. And what's unique about a founder is you develop all these relationships, uh, whether it's people you hire, it's retailers and partners and customers on the outside, it's investors, it's independent board members. So this whole ecosystem of people that you build relationships with um, and try and get these businesses to a good, good space over time is really like a journey. And so, you know, I view each of these relationships as characters in that journey over time. And I try and, you know, keep in touch with the people, um, particularly that, you know, I'd like to be in business for life with. And that's kind of like a good heuristic for me as I've gone from the building business side to the investment side. No, that's awesome. And certainly it's a common theme amongst our guests to hear about relationships that they want to maintain for life and carrying those in different portions of their journey. And uh, especially when you're investing behind them and trying to build something transformational together. And maybe speaking of which, I'd love to hear you talk a bit about the single biggest win or opportunity that's come your way as an investor that you can trace back to the networks and the relationships you built. Oh, gosh. Um, there's so many. But, you know, if, if I had to point to something that was like a nexus of different things, the second startup, you know, I, I joined was um, a company called August Home, which is in the smart home space. And my first startup where I was a founder was also this consumer hardware business uh, in the fitness wearable space. And we were fortunate that that was acquired by Intel. Uh, but in the course of building this consumer hardware um, startup, there weren't a lot of founders like me. Not a lot of people outside of Fitbit were really doing consumer hardware. So all of the stuff that's easy today, you had to learn, you had to invent back in those days. And... Hardware was really reserved for big companies with lots of capital. And so I learned so much over the course of doing Basis, my first startup, and this collection of founders, investors who are thinking about investing in the next wave of startups would come to me for advice. And they would be like, you know, hey, how should I think about this? Who should I hire for this? What mistakes have you made? So all of these lessons I was learning on the fly that I was thinking would be completely useless to, you know, would be useless outside of my startup ended up being a much bigger part of the ecosystem as larger companies like, you know, Fitbit and Tonal and Ring and others got built. And, you know, when Basis got acquired, um, you know, a good group of investors, founders, and what I would call like, you know, had become really good friends, really connected me to August and said, listen, we'd love to have you. We think you can add a lot of value here. 
Um, you know, we want to have your expertise. And it made me felt that sense of like, this is great. You know, they, they, they want me not just for what I can do. I can see how I can add value, but this also seems to be a really great fit. And August obviously went on to have a great exit three years later. So it's a good example of where relationships brought me to, you know, a business with Jason Johnson and Eve Bihar uh, to build something that ended up having a successful return to the investors, the employees, the founders, everyone involved. So that's probably my single biggest relationship driven win. I mean, if there are many wins in the world bigger than that one. So I can understand why you would choose it for sure. It's a phenomenal one. Thank you for sharing it. Um, and I guess as you think of your current role today at the production board, helping lead up the consumer team, I guess I'd love to hear how you see the relationship network that you have, as well as that of the broader team as related to this, your success as an investor, whether it's the deals that you see that come from them or how you de 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 deploy founder support. I'd be curious to hear how you think about that. Yeah, I'd say the single biggest, you know, um, source of deals I get is from other investors who've either invested with me before or people that I know. And you have this sense for like, we'd like to be in business together around something, you know, and then you can add value, I can add value, but just generally value aligned around how we operate in good times and bad. Uh, and that value alignment also extends to what kind of founders we invest in because you, you are going to be in this you know, 10 plus year relationship if you invest at the early stages for venture with a business, with CEOs, with founders, with management teams over time. And so you want some common heuristic having worked on many things together around how you'll operate in good times and bad, when you'll be supportive, when you can't be supportive. And you've developed the language, the texture around how you talk about this stuff over time. And so I'd say for me, my single biggest source is just people that I've generally worked with in the past. Uh, or people that I, you know, haven't worked with, but we know we're value aligned and we've just been trying to find the right deal to work together. Second biggest source is just founders and people who worked at my previous companies who will send me stuff and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Uh, sometimes for advice, sometimes for investment. I would say probably 60% of what I get isn't even in the vein of will you invest in this, which is this very explicit ask. But I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think about it? Should I position it differently? Is it should it be funded a different way? Is this right for venture? Is it something else? And I think in consumer right now, particularly with with AI coming along, I think people are confused about should I build you know value for customers? Should it have the buzzword AI in it? And the TPB, we're really particular about you know great founders who have grit, the ability to tell their story, um, and can build a healthy business with a focus on customers as opposed to what's the technology, you know, uh, cool, flashy thing of the day, which seems to be AI, but may not result in durable businesses. So I literally look for great founders applying interesting technologies to big businesses and ideally categories that don't exist yet today. No, it makes total sense to me. And I can see how starting with advice and again, existing relationships that you have like generate the sorts of outcomes and the sorts of businesses that you're excited to work on in the really long run. Actually, be curious. It's for... also helpful to build those. Sorry, it's also helpful to build those relationships before you get there, right? I think to a large degree, it's hard to ask for money right at the last minute. And I think for me, what's worked well is getting to know founders over time. Uh, not always possible in a competitive market, but if when you can, you'd like to get to know people over time, both investors and founders, to see how they react in good times and bad. Get a sense for how clear their thinking is around these things. So you can get conviction around not only do I like the product and the market, 
but I also, you know, feel like this is the right founder, the right hero for this journey. And I'm excited to be on that journey with them. Maybe to that point, I imagine you have, you've worked with a number of different companies at this point. Are there any stories of founders who, as a result of building that relationship with them over time and seeing how they react in good times and bad, led you to develop maybe outsized conviction in them as company leaders? It's a good question. You know, one heuristic that I've developed, you know, is just this notion of a, and this is just my own experience, it's the one that, you know, I've attached to most, and this this concept of a hero's journey. And I really think building a startup is that hero's journey. I think people need a very clear hero, and they very, need a very clear journey. And so, as an investor, I've got to build conviction that this person is on, you know, is a hero. Uh, and this is a journey over time to some large outcome, creating some new value in the world that is meaningful. And this is the right hero for the right journey. And so I don't think there's one formula, but I, I generally um, try and avoid founders where they're not skilled at um, thinking of this over time. They're building just a product or a very specific thing, but they don't think about being that person that investors, employees, customers, you know, partners can look up to and go, I want to follow that person, right? That person knows something that I don't know and the world doesn't see, and I want to follow them, you know, um, to the depths of hell. And I need to be convinced that that journey is a meaningful one. Like, you know, there's a large product, large market, you're going to create something new in the world at the end of the day. And these two things fit, this is the right hero for that journey. And, you know, those are the founders I'm really looking to invest behind. I do think I try and avoid founders where they're doing it because it's the flavor of the day. Because my experience was startups are not easy. Uh, relationships between people when things are not going well, particularly when they're not going well, is not easy. And the grit and tenacity you need to have both as an investor and as a founder um, needs to be outsized and it needs to um, have almost religious conviction about this hero's journey and that he, you know, she will succeed at the end of all of it when there's no data to back it up. Many times in the early stages, there's no data to know that someone's going to be successful or not. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And to that maybe characterization of founder as hero, or maybe the best founders as heroes going along the journey, the world could certainly use more heroes, but we probably only have so many heroes that we come across in our lifetimes. I'd love to hear how you go about operationalizing once you've found someone who you think can be a hero. Like, how do you stay engaged with them, stay on top of them? Are there practices or habits that you have or other goals that you have tied to that? Yeah, you know, I, I'm generally looking for people who have, you know, a certain level of grid, you know, a certain level of, you know, intellectual horsepower uh, and the ability to convey narrative. I think, you know, those are like the three things I look for. Um, in any founder. And long before they become a founder, when I meet people, I'm looking for either investors who are filtering by those same criteria and they see the same things I do. And that, you know, so when they send me something, we know that these people are pre-qualified. So at this point, all we're thinking about is, you know, is this the right market? Do I want to invest in this market? And, you know, I would say more business oriented things than, you know, uh, figuring out if this is the right, you know, the right person. And I think that same filter applies to people I've hired over time, people I've met, 
uh, people, other founders that you see at conferences uh, whose first startup might not work because it wasn't the right market, wasn't the right time. But you know, at some point in time, it's a journey across startups, not just one startup. Uh, and if you look at you know all of the people well, who've had success, it seems overnight, but there's probably you know two or three things they started before that that didn't quite work out. Uh, and it must have seemed you know or just devastating at the time. But each of those things built and showed the resilience to I'm going to do this again. It's very very hard to do, want to do a startup again, which is why investors are always like if someone's a second time founder, they must really like the pain. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, you're looking for those three core things, the intellectual clarity, grit, and then the ability to convey this narrative that inspires you know, people to followership uh, when there's no hard data, there's no revenues, there's no big, you know, everything's not going right and they're still able to get people to follow them. I think that's an underdog skill. I don't think that's a, someone who's naturally born with that, that stuff that you work at over time. And when we see people like that, we generally take that leap into, if we like the market, this is the right person to bet on. Yeah, no, that makes total sense to me. And if those skill sets, to your point, are challenging, and they're certainly challenging when you've been faced with a difficult outcome beforehand, or if you're a second time founder and the first one didn't work out, um, I can see why those would be people that you want to make sure you're staying close to. And so, and that's the Rolodex, you know, you asked about like, what processes do I have? You know, I think there's a uh, just like any person, you know, you have like your CRM, but in my head, there's like this personal CRM of people that I'd love to be in business with, that I want to stay in touch with, and that I'll keep touching base with them, you know, six months, a year, two years, sometimes three or four or five years go by. And um, they've gone through different life experiences that, you know, maybe they weren't the right person for something I had before. But I, I do find life is serendipitous that way. It's not this very linear thing of like, you know, this is a great person, but, you know, and you keep touching base with them to see what they're doing every few weeks or months. Um, and it really is a, is almost a game that's played out over, you know, three years, five years, 10 years, sometimes across multiple startups. Some of my best hires have come from startups that I worked with two startups ago, where those people have now gotten to the point where they would be great at leading teams and they just weren't there two startups ago, but they're great leaders now and probably great founders or CEOs. Yeah. I mean, a theme that I feel like I'm hearing come up consistently is the idea of finding people who are relationships you want to have for life because they hold those characteristics you were describing. So grit, intellectual horsepower, and the ability to convey a narrative even early on, and then having a long run view as to that partnership and what it could look like over time. And so I can see that being very powerful. And investors are looking, I think, for people to follow. You know, not as you said, not everyone can be a hero, but I do think people look for leaders and you want to see that in your CEOs and you want to see that in your founders. You want to see a point of view. And, you know, I think what's powerful about that archetype is, you know, they can usually tell the world something that they know from their experience. You know, they've, they, they've worked in a particular sector or they've gone through some life experience and they're building this startup for a greater purpose. And in the beginning, Nobody believes in them. You know, that, that's kind of this hero's journey of like, you know, they're on this journey and it's hard and they have the fall and they, you know, come through the depths of hell and come back to humanity with something is kind of what that, that circle looks like. But, you know, if 20 years ago or 10 years ago, someone told you you're going to be getting into a stranger's car and they're going to take you somewhere or like you're going to stay in a stranger's bedroom. Like, you know, you, you'd never imagine those companies becoming Uber or Airbnb. 
or someone's going to bring you food from a restaurant that you don't really know and what you know what do they do in the middle but large businesses get created in the beginning because all those businesses pitched a lot of investors and many investors like yeah that's really not a thing but a few people were like that's the hero i'm going to follow so it's really almost like this religious conviction in the early days around like you know what is real and how much is religion and how much can that person inspire people to follow them what secret do they have that most of the world doesn't believe but it's this few committed employees investors partners stakeholders that go you know what i'll make that leap with you you're starting a podcast like i'll make that leap with you because i see something in you where this could become big someday i don't know but i just want to help you because i've been there before and this is my some my way of paying it forward in some way shape or form yeah i mean to your point the world needs more leaders more heroes and they need to be able to allow people or get people to follow them and be able to inspire others for that to turn into any sort of movement or long run thing that changes the world. And so I can totally see why that is a thing you would select on, particularly in the earliest stages of the company. So maybe to wrap our final traditional question is around again, the power of relationships. I'd love to hear what the single biggest lesson you've learned about relationship management is or relationship building that you think most people get wrong. I think one of the most frequent things that I've seen go wrong, and I, I would include myself in this case, is not communicating frequently. And so people let things build up to be this very, very big thing that sits around. Um, and they attribute it to, you know, we have a business disagreement or we have, you know, we disagree about what the UX should be like or something tactical like that. But usually it's some, something bigger underneath, the lack of trust or lack of like, you know, um, I would say the lack of language to be able to have difficult conversations, whether that's at a partnership or a fund or life generally um, uh, is, uh, is the single greatest source I've seen of things building up with an organization to the point where people can't communicate effectively. And... The closer this happens to the top at the leadership of a company, leadership of a fund, you know, even in your own home, it percolates all the way down because people aren't talking. And each of those people is attached to five or 10 people that probably work for them and issues start to percolate. So if you want to create a cohesive culture, it helps to spend over invest in times around common sets of values, common frameworks you use, how you screen people, having candid conversation about um, the difficult topics, you know, what's the right level of accountability, uh, you know, should we hire this person, should we not, but picking the things that are people oriented and being clear about that earlier in your company's life cycle uh, than it is later. And if I, if I look at the difficult lessons I've learned over time, it's not investing enough in mental health, coaching, language around how to have difficult conversations earlier in my career and becoming skilled at that over time. And it's one thing that helps me be a valuable board member, investor, even operator, because I've lived through that confusion of like, you know, why are we all so mad at each other? Or, you know, why can't we debug the thing and just have it be about the business? Because businesses are built by people. And people are really complex, man. And uh, it takes, you know, good leadership with good narrative and good, um, uh, I would say, um, language skills and life skills to basically navigate those situations with tech. So that's probably the single biggest thing I've seen go wrong with startups, it's people stuff, not necessarily um, 
you know, business stuff. Business stuff goes wrong every day of the week. The people stuff is harder to resolve because I think, you know, people are fundamentally harder to change. But when you're in business with the right people, it is amazing. Yeah, especially when, especially when you're dealing with early stage companies, everything are the founding team or the earliest team of employees. And those dynamics, I can imagine, are challenging even at that stage, but are certainly even more challenging as you scale up to a company uh, like the size of August or some of the others that are in uh, the production board's portfolio, for sure. Right. All right. Well, Barat, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, for the audience, if you want to find Barat, like Barat, where would you guide people to go find you or learn more about you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, all sorts of places, our website at tpb.co. Um, happy to Thank help. you so much. Thank you. See you soon.